A minister told his congregation, Next week, I plan to preach about the sin of lying. To help you understand my sermon, I'd like you to all read Mark 17 this week. The following Sunday, as he prepared to deliver his sermon, the minister asked for a show of hands. How many had read Mark 17? Every hand went up. What a faithful congregation. And the minister smiled and said, Mark has only 16 chapters. (laughs) And now I will proceed with my sermon about the sin of lying. Well, can you just imagine how that congregation might have felt after that introduction? I think they would direct their eyes no longer at the minister, but down at the floor. How frustrating it is to be discovered, to be found out that we're not as honest or as good or as generous or as kind as we could be. On this All Saints Day, we remember that every one of us is stained by sin. Now, this sermon title started out as a typographical error. When I was typing out All Saints Day, it came out All S-T-A-I-N Day. And I thought, huh, (laughs) you know, it kind of fits. Because there are so many of the people who we call saints, whether they're members of our family like Jenny talked about, or whether they are um, Sunday school teachers or coaches, all, you know, anyone can be a saint. But every one of them also, like us, is stained with sin in some way. And yet God creates us this way. Does God expect perfection? Do we expect perfection? Sometimes we expect perfection of others. And sometimes we expect perfection of ourselves. And yet we all can sink back into the position of our heads down, embarrassed or ashamed in front of God and others who know our weaknesses. The Bible offers us reasons, though, to raise our heads in hope. And though Revelation can be one of the most vexing books of the Bible, it generously gives us today's passage in chapter 21 near the culmination of John's vision. Listen for the newness that John expects to provide. This is what we read in the call to worship. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the chaos of the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. New heaven, new earth, and a new Jerusalem, which is like a bride beginning a new aspect of relationship. The home of God will now be among people. Not distant, but walking among us as Jesus did. And in this newness, death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all 
things new. Over the last few weeks, the publicity and outreach and the Christian education committees have done a new thing. To provide a safe and fun haven for children to dress up and load up on candy, one of the joys of American childhood, these committee members have planned for and provided Calvary's first trunk or treat. It took a lot of preparation, and the planning team was thankful for many volunteers and many more who brought in candy. But they didn't just do this for the sake of the local dentists. They did it as an expression of God's love and safety and salvation. They provided something new and different to proclaim to our neighborhood that God is making all things new, including this congregation. Five or six years ago, some weren't sure that we ever would find newness here at 608 Campbell Avenue. Many of our saints were joining the great cloud of witnesses, and few were refilling their seats. Earlier in the service, we heard four names of church members who died within the past year, and they represent so many others who sacrificed for this church, who built this beautiful building, led missions programs, and taught Sunday school, took youth on memorable trips, called out people for ministry, learned and provided beautiful music, worshipped and took communion together. And many of you have sacrificed for Calvary in multiple ways. You donate your time, your wisdom, your expertise, your money. You are good stewards of the gifts that God has given to you. When we invest in the church of Jesus Christ, we find new life as we are finding at this church. When Lazarus was sick to the point of death, could he also have realized that he was on the cusp of new life? Perhaps, like his sister Martha, he expected a resurrection in the last days, but Jesus tells Martha that he is, Jesus is, present tense, the resurrection and the life. Jesus personifies new life, and soon Martha would see what he meant. And after Jesus consoles her sister Mary, too, they walk together toward Lazarus' grave, that stone that sealed the tomb from wild animals and other grave robbers and kept the stench of decay away from the grieving family and friends was still in place. And Jesus said, Move the stone away. Emotions are high, but Jesus knows that he is there to bring attention to his amazing and life-giving Father. And so against Martha's better judgment, the stone is rolled away. And then Jesus prays, not quietly, but loudly, so everyone will know that God is about to do something amazing And then he cries out with this loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the people are wondering, is Jesus crazy? But here comes the man that Jesus called. 
with his hands, feet, and face wrapped in burial cloths. And then the final command in this this section, Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. Those are words of freedom. Unbind him and let him go. Now, what if Jesus Christ stood outside of our doors and called to us in a loud voice, Calvary, come out! What are the cloths that bind us? There are cloths that bind us as well, not the least of which is our sinful nature. And the greatest binding cloth may be our fear of moving from death to life. After all, death looks pretty comfortable. Let everyone else do the work that you used to do. We're not people of death, though. We are people of the resurrection. We are people of new life. Our bulletin reminds us on the front each week, the people of Calvary are loving God, exploring faith, and serving others. Sort of like the Lowe's ad that says, never stop improving. Our stewardship campaign offers us a season to commit or recommit ourselves to bringing to reality God's vision for this church. Here's how that commitment looks in our family. Each November, my husband and I add the salary and housing allowance that you have set forth in our church budget Then we add to that his annual salary, divide by 10, and round up to the nearest $10. And that's the dollar amount that we write on our pledge card, sign and turn in. Because we believe in the ministries of Calvary Baptist Church. Once we have made that pledge, we do whatever it takes to make it happen. As the economy has tightened, we have sadly released the happy housekeepers. We have given up commercial television to maintain our tithe, though we have to admit that's no great loss during campaign season. We like to go out to eat, but are cooking at home more because we don't have the extra finances that we used to have. But our pledge does not change. Now, you have the option of saying, well, you're the pastor. Pastors are called to sacrifice more than normal people. But Brian and I know that we would support our church in the same way, even if we were normal. (laughs) In the Old Testament, the Hebrew people were required to give 10% of their harvest as a tithe to the Lord. Now, my family doesn't follow every Old Testament law. It's an abomination to eat pork, but we like pork chops. It's an abomination to eat shellfish, but we like steamed shrimp. We refuse to sacrifice animals on an altar, but we do find a gift in the Old Testament direction to give 10% of our harvest to God. Other people prefer to estimate how much they will pay in taxes and take a tenth of what's left to donate to their church. If you want to work up to a tithe, figure out the ratio of your income to your offering and add a percentage point each year. Some people who walk by Calvary Baptist Church's building 
know nothing of the freedom and resurrection life that Jesus Christ offers. Some people who live in this neighborhood know nothing about the freedom and resurrection that Jesus Christ offers. God has placed us here for a reason. It's not up to other people to proclaim that new life to us. It's up to us, church, to them. Sorry, it's not up to others to proclaim that new life to them. It's up to us. These women and men and children can be our family if we will go to them and invite them and embrace them into our community. Today is a day to consider new life. Those of you who are church members should have received a pledge card in the mail with a letter inviting you to pledge to God's church called Calvary Baptist. If you are not a member and you feel God leading you to pledge to the budget also, which the congregation passed last week, you will find pledge cards on the front pews and can fill that out and bring it back with you next week, place it in the offering plate. I will not see it. The congregation will not see it. The business manager will, and God will, and you will. So your choice is based on a connection between you and God. The Lord's Supper also is a connection between us and God. As we move toward receiving that, we remember that we are part of an epic movement throughout history where God has worked through many people stained with sin. We are stained too, but that makes us no less able to be channels, as Sung Wan sang, of God's peace, God's consolation, God's light, and new life. We entrust not just our money, not just our work, not just our time, but our whole selves to God as we receive these gifts from God. This table is open to all who would follow Jesus into resurrection and new life. We will begin by passing the peace of Christ to each other, and so I invite you to... to, um, to respond to me with also with you. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us share that gift of peace with each other. Feel free to stand. <clears throat>